Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6. This is continuing in our Acts series, but I want to start in the Gospel of Mark. The title of our series is The Beginning of Our Story, The Beginning of Our Story, and one of the things that we need to remember is that Jesus told us how we are to do his work. So we, we don't go out and do it our own way. We do it exactly the way that the Lord told us to do. And this morning is an important component of it. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. We're going to stand because we're going to read a, a kind of a, a substantial portion of Scripture. And I don't want the teenagers to go to sleep. So let's all stand. We're going to read God's Word. Oh, wait a minute. Before we do that. Um, so the meetings went great. I, I was a week ago Thursday, I left. So Friday night, I preached in Watertown, New York, Watertown Baptist Temple. And then the Saturday morning, I did a men's meeting. A bunch of churches got together for a men's conference. That evening, I was at Watertown Baptist Temple, Sunday school, Sunday morning there, and then loaded up the exhibit, the Bible exhibit, and took it to Liverpool, New York, outside of Syracuse, and set it up at Buckley Road Baptist Church. Preached there that night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Worked with the pastors on some things during the day. And then packed it up Wednesday night after the service and drove to uh, Palmyra, New York, the, the home of Mormonism. And uh, was at Heritage Baptist Church there, set up the Bible display there and spoke, uh, what day is that? Thursday night, Friday morning was a pastor's meeting, and they had me speak for three hours on the on textual criticism and, and how all of that works. And then we had a youth meeting that night. So Friday night and, you know, Thursday night and Friday night, I spoke with Dalton Robertson, so that was a blast having Dalton there. And uh, then Saturday night, we uh, had the, the youth meeting. By the time we were done, had pizza with the kids, loaded it all up. It was about 12.30 when I got back to the room and drove home yesterday. So I think I spoke 15 times in uh, in 10 days or something. Thank you all for praying for the meetings. It was, God just blessed. We had a young lady saved at the youth rally, and that was a blessing. Had some real help for young people on trusting the Bible that they hold in their hands. So thank you for praying. and. I just love it that I get to do it, but here's the bad news. Are you all ready for some bad news? You're stuck with me for the rest of the year, okay? So the, the, that's, that's the bad news. I do need some help immediately following the morning service. We're going to unload the Bible exhibit, load it up into here. And uh, so I've got a trailer out there I'll pull up. So if some of you young men can stand by at the end of the service, we'll do that. And then I also need to meet with all of our team leaders as we're getting ready for the kickoff next week. I need to meet with you for a few minutes after the morning service. All right? All right, so Mark chapter 6. So if you look at verse 1, and he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And if you're ever looking for a good definition of discipleship, there it is in your Bible. The disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. All right, drop down to verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. So he begins to give them special instructions for this specific period of time. All right? Specific period of time. 
these apostles were going to go out and do something very special. All right, then drop down to verse 11. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Wow. Now, how many of you know God, what God did at Sodom and Gomorrah? So these that had the preaching of the word of God from the apostles of Jesus Christ, if they wouldn't receive the message, don't waste your time there anymore. Go where they will hear. Go where they will hear. All right? Look at what it says. Let's keep, let's keep going. Verse 12, and they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils, and drop down to verse 14, and King Herod heard of him, speaking of John the ba- or of Jesus, and King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that this is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. This is what they're saying about Jesus. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. So the rest of this section is the, the account of how John the Baptist had challenged the king about his lifestyle and how he was killed. So drop down to verse 29. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it, his corpse and laid it in a tomb. That's the body of John the Baptist. After he, you know what? Let's let's back up. I want, I want to read that. So, look at what it says in verse um, verse seventeen. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake. So Herodias was his wife's or his brother's wife, and he had married his brother's wife. John the Baptist called him out about it. All right. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Now, now let me just, really important that you get this. When preachers call out political leaders for their behavior, people say that preachers need to stay out of politics. These are people who have never read the Bible. Okay, now, did John pay a price for that? Yeah. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would not, and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and an holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to the Lord's, high captains and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked him, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger, that's on a platter, the head of John the Baptist. Now look at this. 
And the king was exceeding sorrow, sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. Now, don't just read past that. Can you imagine how horrible that was? You know, there's videos, I hope none of you will ever watch it, but there are videos, I guess, that you could see, I've not watched it, of, of Muslims beheading people. That's what happened with John the Baptist. Horrible. And he brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Lord, help us. Help us to learn some important things from your word today as we enter into the beginning of our story and learning what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let's be honest. Let me ask you all a question. How many of you are a little tired right now? Would you raise your hand? Be honest. You're a little tired. Some of you stayed up too late watching the ball game, got all worked up, couldn't go to sleep, or you've just been working hard. Life is very, very busy. And we learn something from, from our Savior in this passage about how we are to do ministry. Now, notice everything that's jammed in to this passage. You know, there, there, these, are, these last verses are very significant verses. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Have you ever been at work, and you're so busy, you don't even take time to eat? Does that happen to you? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what was going on with the disciples. If there's a verse that describes the way that I've been feeling, it's that. Very busy. And then I thought maybe that this was your problem too. As a matter of fact, I know that it's your problem too. You know, there's a reason why all the factories are put in our area. And there's a reason why you can go to other parts of the country and there aren't any. It's because of the way you people work. There is a work ethic in our community that, in a human way, I'm just proud of. I love it that we have hard-working people in our community. Amen? That's wonderful. Man, if you see somebody that has their Christmas lights up on January 26th, that person's a shirker. <laughs> you know, that's the way our community is. It's, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, all of us, though, we do have a streak of martyrdom in us. I, I've been, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just so tired. You don't understand how busy it is. You don't understand how hard it is for me. I want to tell somebody so that they can feel sorry for me. I want Laura to say, oh, you poor dear. You've had it so hard. Until I get home and she gives me what she's been doing. We're all busy, right? That's a good thing that I'm not, I've never been seriously ill. Because I would have to have one of you take care of me because Laura would be too busy. She's got this stuff to do. Look at the look she's giving me right now. I've noticed something lately that's very disturbing to my own martyr complex. No one feels sorry for me about my schedule anymore. Because you guys are all busy too. We're, how many of you, honestly, your life is busy? You've got a lot on your schedule. There are a lot of things that are going on. When I'm busy and tired and they don't feel sorry for me, it's because they're just as busy 
as I am. Now, we're not talking about productivity here. You know, I know I've told you before that the great coach from UCLA, um, John Wooden, he always said, never confuse activity with achievement. Never confuse activity with accomplishment. Do you ever feel like you're busy, but you're not getting anything done? And I think some of that is why we need this message today. Think about our work rules. I, I thought of having these work rules. And you, some of you who, who have employees, you could post these. Are you ready? Sickness. No excuses will be acceptable. We will no longer accept your doctor's statement as proof of illness, as we believe that if you are able to go to the doctor, you are certainly able to come to work. Leave of absence for operation. We are no longer allowing this practice. We wish to discourage any thoughts that you may uh, not need all of what you may have <laughs> and that you should not consider having anything removed. We hired you as you are, and to have anything removed certainly makes you less than we bargained for. Death, other than your own. This is no excuse. If you can arrange for funeral services to be held late in the afternoon, however, we can let you off an hour early, provided all your work is up to date. Death, your own. This will be acceptable as an excuse, but we would like at least two weeks' notice as we feel it is your duty to teach someone else to do your job before you die. Personal hygiene. Entirely too much time is being spent in the washrooms. In the future, you will follow the practice of going in alphabetical order. For instance, those surnames beginning with A will be allowed to go from 9 to 9.05 and so on. If you're able to go at your appointed time, it will be necessary to wait until the next day when your time comes around again. Quantity of work. No matter how much you do, it will never be enough. Quality of work. The minimum acceptable level is perfection. And advice from the owner. Eat a live toad first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. <laughs> what do you think about those work rules? That's, how many of you kind of feel like that's your job right there? That's the way that you're treated. That's the way that, that that's what people expect. There comes a time when you've got to shut it down. There comes a time when you need to realize that I need to step aside. Jesus had just sent his disciples out into the world to do what God had told them to do. And they had come back to Jesus tired and excited and puzzled. They're excited about everything. But notice where he put the account of John the Baptist in the text. So the response of Jesus Christ is not, hey, I want you to give your testimony Sunday night. The response of Jesus is, hey, you need to take a break. You need some rest. So here on Labor Day weekend, I thought it would be a good time for us to say we need to, we need to slow down. By the way, the church office will be closed on Tuesday so that Laura and I actually get the day, right? Because Monday is our normal day off. We're going to take Tuesday for the holiday. And I think that's a, how many think that's a good idea? I'll reintroduce myself to my wife. So let's look at some principles from this text. First, and folks, this is something that we need to recognize. Now, again, how many of you know that we live in a hardworking community? The primary witness the Christian life can give to our world is a life of wholeness and balance. A life of wholeness and balance. Let's look at some passages that talk about that. Keep your ribbon here in Mark 6. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And look at verse 10. 
So remember what this is talking about, verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Talking about Christ in verse 9, for in him, so in Colossians 2 and verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But verse 10 is what I want us to look at. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So we ought to be people that we are effective in our careers. We ought to be people that the other people in our workplace can look up to because of our work ethic, because of our joy, because of our thankfulness, because of our diligence, our honesty. Amen? It shouldn't, isn't that the model that Christians should, should be able to put forth? Now think about how difficult it is to differentiate ourselves from other hard workers in a hard-working community. What is the thing that's going to be the difference? It's our faithfulness to Christian principles while we're doing that, which will be our attitude, which will be our spirit. But not only that, the way that we're able to handle our life schedule, our life schedule, we're complete. We need to be complete people. Look at what it says in James. Go to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look at verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, perfect, understand perfect in the Bible is complete, finished, mature. That's the way that we're supposed to be. And, and mature people know when to work, but they also know when to rest. You know, some of you older folks probably remember that song, Cats in the Cradle. Remember that? Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon, Little Boy Blue and the Man in the Moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. Then he finds out that his son grew up to be just like him. All right? How many of you know that song? You know what I'm talking about? You know that's not just a song. That's a reality. And so I'm very thankful for our hardworking community. But if we work hard, now here's, here's the thing. Work hard and play hard. It's okay if I get drunk. I worked hard all week. I'm going to get... So you go home and you get drunk and your family doesn't have any idea what a dad is actually supposed to be. You see, so a balanced life, a balanced life is one that works hard and rests well and honors the Lord. A complete life where you, you honor the Lord with your time, your talent, and your treasure. You handle your finances in a way that is a, is a, a, a testimony. You handle your job in a way that's a testimony, and you handle your leisure time in a way that is a testimony to the goodness of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, and the truth of His witness. Now, look at what it says in the book of Hebrews. Just go back one book, Hebrews chapter 6. So this is talking about what God has promised and what he has done. And look at what it says in talking about our hope in verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So now there's a lot of theology there. It has to do with the sacrifice of Christ going into the veil and all of that. But we have a, a hope that's steadfast and sure steadfast and sure. And I know this, 
the times when I have made a mistake in the pulpit, where maybe I've I've said I've used intemperate speech, or in in a personal interaction where I've been short-tempered, or maybe given someone wrong counsel. Let me tell you, I think it's exclusively when I've been tired. I think that's when it is. And I know that in our own jobs, when we don't rest well, we make mistakes on the job. I know that in our Christian life, when we're giving people the gospel, when we're interacting with people, sometimes we interact with people in a bad way simply because of the frailty of our human flesh. You know that there's only so much that you can do. You need rest. You need to be careful. You need to take care of yourself. And that's what it means to be whole, to be complete, not just spiritually, but physically. And it's interesting that in this book of the Bible, this gospel of Mark, it's the shortest and fastest of all the gospels. It's written to the Roman mind. Let's get to it. Let's take care of it. And I think that's good for the American mind. Okay, let's go on. You know, we're the ones who stand next to the microwave. Come on. Let's get this. I have a coffee maker. All I got to do is put a pod in and push the button. And I hate it. it. It's taking 15 seconds to warm up. Come on. I got coffee needing right here. Right? That's our life. And so the gospel of Mark is excellent for us. The word, this is so funny, the word immediately and immediately and immediately and immediately. It's used 40 times in the book of Mark. It, 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 that's just the way it is. 11 times, listen, 11 times though, Mark records that Jesus went away either alone or with his disciples to rest and pray. So yeah, it, it, it's short, it's fast, it's giving important information, important events. But in that short book of 16 chapters, 11 times, Jesus goes away either alone or with his disciples to spend time alone and pray. We need to rest. We need time away from work. The Christian life is a life of balance. Have you ever noticed Christians that they seem to have spiritual indigestion? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like, I'm saved, see? That's not the way our Christian life is supposed to be. Our Christian life is not about, I don't do this, I don't do this. It's about, I get to serve God. I'm free. But you can't have a life of joy if you're miserable because you're simply tired all the time. We need, it's so funny, y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Don't tell me to rest. One preacher said he knew a businessman who pushed and drove and took a multi-million dollar business down the drain. He lost all the jobs and praised the Lord after every bad decision. He asked, what is the Lord trying to teach me? The preacher said, he's trying to teach you you're stupid. (laughs) I think that's one of the best things I ever read. We need to be careful of the Christian who has no balance. You know, and and we know that there are some pastors, all they have is um, mercy. You have other pastors, all they have is hardness. You have other pastors, all they have is teaching. It's got to be, the church has to be, it has to be structured. It has to be loving. It has to be strong. It has to be all of those things. And if you teach the whole counsel of God, you'll do that. But the whole counsel of God also includes rest. It includes rest. Now, let's not make a mistake. I, I read a book years ago. I was, at, from a, I was out at a church in California, and they gave me a book by the pastor. I came home, started reading it. It was a book on leadership. The first chapter, it said that the pastor needs to rest. You need to make sure that you, you schedule rest. 
and, and God gave us that example, listen to what the book said. He worked six days, God worked six days, and needed to rest. So Jacob was five or six years old. I'm sitting in my chair. He's walking up the stairs to his bedroom. I said, hey, Jacob, does God get tired? He said, no. So God gave us a model of rest. Amen. Did he need to rest? I just think that's hilarious. He did that for us to teach us we need a day of rest. You have to have a day of rest. Make sure that you do that. And the Christian life is a life of balance. God gives us that. It is as true in the area of work and rest as it is in every other place. God has given us just the right amount of strength, stamina, and time to do the things that he has called us to do. Let me say that again. He has given us just the right amount of time, strength, and stamina to do the things he has called us to do. You know, you hear somebody say, well, I'd, I'd rather wear out than rust out. Okay. So kill yourself and make your ministry 20 years shorter than it could have been. I don't think that's God's plan, do you? I don't think that's God's plan at all. I know some of you are looking at me like saying, Pastor, I think you need to preach this to yourself. You're right. I do. That's why we're taking Tuesday off. Okay? Now, the abundant life that God has called us to live, it's supposed to be a life of, of fruit. It's supposed to be a productive life. Amen? But God also knows that in order to be productive, we have to rest. We have to recharge. It's vital that we do that. Some of our life is to be invested in hustling and working hard. And some of it has to be invested in rest and play and meditation and amusement. Amusement is okay, but not for not all the time. Ah, muse. Muse means to think. Amusement is when you're not thinking, right? I had to tell myself a bunch of times during the football game last night, Jim, you're supposed to be having fun right now. Anybody else? How many of you feel that same way? I'm so stressed. If one player messes up the whole. You can't you have an offense because one guy has gone. What? Are you doing? Isn't this fun? See, it's supposed to be amusement. How many of you are doing the exact same thing? Be honest. You're doing the exact same thing. So amusement, it's supposed to be fun. If it's not fun, do something else. Because you're going to lose your mind. When, when you're, what, what do you call your kind of games, Andy? Board, I was going to say role-playing games. So that makes it think like you're dressing up like a woman or something. But <laughs> it's a different, whatever it is, the games that you're, if, if you're not enjoying it, play a different game. I mean, that's the point of it. Amen? How many of you hate Trivial Pursuit? That's the only board game I like to play. That's it. That's, I, I'm not, I, I, that's it. You guys don't want to, don't play it then. It's supposed to, it, when you're having fun, that's supposed to be fun. Now, you can't do that. You know, you go to work tomorrow and they put you on the press and you say, I don't like the press. <laughs> well, see you later then. You can't do that at work. Amen? There's parts of my job that I don't like. Oh, well, but on your rest, only rest in a way that recharges your batteries. Do those things. And let me just put this in. Um, there are some parents that kill themselves so their kids can play every sport in the world. Don't do that to yourselves. Don't, don't do that. Sports are great. I, I absolutely love sports. If you put your kids in sports, praise God. If you don't put your kids in sports, Praise God. I just don't care, right? But here's what I do care about. You have absolutely no family life because you're on the ball field every day. That, that's not rest. 
That's, you feel like it's a job taking your kids to play sports. Be careful with that kind of stuff. That's just one example. There's, there could be any number of examples. You know, when, when Ethan was doing ballet, I said, don't give yourself so much to that. Your tutu is too small. <laughs> I need a picture of that right there. That's, oh, man. Um, fall kickoff, folks. Right there, fall kickoff. Listen, if you work too much, you're going to blow it. If you rest and play too much, you're going to waste your life. Amen? Go back to Mark. Verse 31. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a, into a desert place and rest a while. Why? For there were many coming and going and they had no, what's that word? Leisure. So much as to eat. We're supposed to work hard, but our rest should be the balance of our hard work. Now, here, here's the important thing to remember. There are two types of Christians who are out of balance with the way Christ wants us to be. The mopers and the movers. The mopers are those who ought to trade their wristwatch in for an, for an alarm clock. Will you get up and do something? Will you do something? Dad, my dad would say, hey, how about you do something while you're doing nothing? Right? My, my buddy Dalton, his dad said, you guys are as useful as a trunk full of dead men. <laughs> how many of you work with people that you wish would get up and do something? Right? So those are the mopers. They, they need to get up. I don't think that's our problem. I don't think that's our problem at all. Um, there's a, a mother and a little boy. She said she wouldn't, he wouldn't get out of bed. She said, aren't you going to get up? Aren't you ashamed to be in bed so late? He said, yes, I am ashamed, but I would rather be ashamed than get up. How many of you could help that boy get up? <laughs> Like I told you, my dad grabbed my brother by the foot and pulled him out of bed. That's a good way to get him up. Movers feel like they, movers, and this is us, they feel like the world would stop if they stopped. It's not going to. We need rest. So what does Joe Pagan see in you? Are you frazzled? Ladies, what is your demeanor like? You're raising godly kids. Finding leisure time when you're raising small children, that's difficult. Amen? It's difficult to find rest. Men, you got to help your wives get some rest with the small children. You, well, I work all day. What do you think she's doing? Very important that we help. But ladies, remember, are you demonstrating love, joy, peace? Look at Philippians chapter 4. Just practical insights from the Word of God. Look at verse 6. Be careful, that's full of care, for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
See, if the world sees from you frazzle and frustration, hurry and anxiety, you didn't get that from Jesus Christ. Now, let's be honest. How many of you know that we are to be fruitful and multiply? Right? That's not just spiritually, you know, leading people to Jesus. We're supposed to have children, and we're supposed to raise competent, obedient children. That's work. That's tough. And if your kids are out of control, that's why you're frazzled. Now, now you'll get tired. Moms, it's a, it's a, there's a reason why young ladies have children. Amen? All of you older ladies who have done that, been through it, that's where grandma's wonderful, right? Give them sugar and send them home. But moms, if you will require, if you, if you tell your three-year-old to sit down and play and they don't sit down and play and they're driving you crazy, that's your fault. Amen, ladies? You, gotta sit, you can't go out to eat because your kids are out of control. That's your fault. <laughs> well, they won't sit in a restaurant. I can help you with that. Well, they might not sit for a little while. You know why you're frazzled? You're not being obedient on how to raise your children. God gave you the way to have peace in your home. And if you're not able, what I have heard this over and over and over again. Those of you who have gotten saved and you have family members that are not, and it's your children that influence them. They say, how, how is it that your children listen to you? Why do your children obey? This is your lost family talking to you. That is the immediate opportunity for you to give the gospel. But if your children are worse than theirs or just as bad as theirs, then you are losing that opportunity because you are just as frazzled as they are. See, obedience to God brings rest in your life. Balance. Work hard. Work lots of hours. But make sure that you are getting rest. And then the way to rest is not to cut out your service for God. That's not the way we rest. Amen? That's not the way that we rest. Well, how am I going to balance all of these things? Well, you need to step back and look at your life and say, okay, now I need to set some priorities. The way that I can have peace is to have schedule and priorities. What are priorities? Those things that are prior. These things that I put first. Before I do this, I need to do this. And then you have rest. And then the the life that we present to the world as we go back to how is the church established? What are we supposed to be as a church? How are we to minister out in the world? It starts with what we are to be. And we, we are when we are what we are to be, then we can change the world around us. So, number one, the primary witness the Christian can give to our world is a life of wholeness and balance. Secondly, the primary work of the believer is not so much as doing as being. Remember what Jesus said to Israel? To Israel, he said, ye are the, ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. He didn't say go be salt. He didn't so, say go go be light. That's what you are. That's when, when you're saved, you're, you're some, something changes. Jesus said to the apostles in, in Acts chapter 1, he said, ye shall be witnesses. It doesn't say go witness. 
It says, go be a witness. And what does he say to us? Jesus says to us, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You are a new creature. Quit living like the old man. Quit living like the pagans that are lost, the people who walk in the vanity of their mind. They don't have a schedule. They don't have an understanding of a purpose in their life other than to make enough money to have a house to sleep in so that they can go to get some rest, so they can go to work, so that they can have enough money to have a house that they can sleep in, so that they can go to work, so they have enough money, so they can... That's not life. Now, do you have to have those things? But that is certainly not the purpose of your life. We've got to get these things in order. Some of us think that being a Christian is primarily doing something in a different way or simply not doing other things. Our primary purpose is to stay so close to the Lord that we become that new creature. So Jesus comes along and he says, you're not defined by what you do. And that's something that us men really get wrapped up in. We are our career. No, there is, there's a very good component to that. But that's not all we are. I'm a preacher. I'm glad I get to be a preacher. I was a preacher before I got hired as a preacher. That's who I am. I'm glad I get to do it. But that's not all I am. I've got to be a father. I've got to be a husband. I need to be a friend. I need to be a brother to my, to my, brothers and, to my brother and sisters. Amen? There's so much more than just this job. And all of us need to get that. Chad, you're more than a fire chief. Bill, you're more than an administrator. We we are more than that. You're you're more than a supervisor, Adam. This is this is who we are. You're you're more than a teacher, Nathan. Jeff, you're more than the only man that can keep that company going. He's going to retire soon. I'm curious to see if they stay open. You you, you did? You retired? Are you serious? I got stuff for you to do, dude. You shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> I love guys his age who are, that are retired. That's that's my third that's my third assistant pastor. And I've got Ed, I got Jim McDermott, and I got okay. Let's keep going. Jerry Wolf, four. Some of you. All right. We're not defined by what we do, folks. Amen. You're defined by who you are. You know what Jesus says? You're mine. He says, I love you. I'll never let you go. And once we know this, we can relax and serve. So go back with me to Mark, and let, let's, let's just really think about this. Verse 30, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. I mean, it's such a cool thing to come together. Man, look at what God let me do. Uh, Wasn't the fair ministry a blessing, getting an opportunity to be out there with friends? I had so much fun being out there with with Laura and with uh, Scott and Amy and Andy came out. He wasn't even scheduled. He just wanted to come out and help. It was so fun. Bill was out there working uh, uh, for the NRA, and we were able to chat. It was just a blessing. to. We just talked about what we're doing. Isn't that cool to be able to do that? I love that. While I was in New York, they had the New York State Fair, and the Buckley Road Baptist Church had more than 100 people come to Christ at the fair. <laughs> it's just a, it's a New York State Fair. Fantastic. And we come together, and we talk about all that God's doing, and it's such a wonderful thing. But we need to rest. 
Jesus knew that. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there are many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Get away. Need to get away. Now, it looks like a bunch of our folks got away this weekend. Praise the Lord. Wade knew couldn't uh, teach the epic class because he got drunk watching the game last night. That's what... Hey, nobody said no when I said that earlier, so that's the story I'm going with. No. Okay, for the recording, he didn't do that. It's a joke, as far as I know. Um, How many of you can tell I'm tired? Those things I'm not supposed to say that I say when I'm tired, that's probably one of them. Um, I'm glad people get away. I'm glad there are people that are not here today. I'm glad there are people that they're taking time apart to rest and to get recharged. But then when you come back, get to work. Get to work. Folks, we got a lot to do. This fall is going to be a busy time. We got the fall kickoff next week. Uh, the, the following week, we have our Bible conference starting with Brother Dave. We have uh, man camp coming up. We have trunk or treat coming up. We have our couples retreat coming up. We have a lot of things going on, and every one of them is a good thing with an opportunity to reach somebody. And I didn't even mention this little thing that some of you do. It's not really a big deal. Awana? There's a, there's a lot to do. Amen? So let's make sure that we do rest well. Go to bed. Turn the TV off. Turn the news off. Go to bed. Get some good rest. Be sure you rest before you come to church on Sunday so that you are prepared to hear the Word of God and grow in the Lord. And that's vital, but as vital so that you're prepared to minister to someone else that walks through the door. You can invest. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. Lord, thank you for the laborers that we have at Grace Baptist Church. Lord, thank you, those that labor in their job. This community, it's, it's just a blessing to see what you have done in this community, the hardworking, impressive people that we have. Father, thank you for those here at Grace Baptist Church who are in that community and for examples of how to work. But Father, help us as we are that type of an example to also be an example of Christian balance, of Christian wholeness, of, of Christian wellness.